Hi, this is Stephanie Fallon. And this is Tony Russo. And this week on So What's Your Story, we're doing something a little different. We recently were involved in the Wicomico County Public Library's Book Fest, and they signed us up to do a bit of a almost kind of sort of story corps. Yeah, we're going to call it story corps-ish because we were inspired by what they do to do what we did. And what we did was we went around and we got friends to interview one another about books they liked. And it was it was really a lot of fun. People were surprised by what we were doing. And so what you're about to hear is non-professional interviewers asking non-professional interviewees about stuff. So that's probably where the story core comparison ends. But we were inspired by them, so we figured we should at least shout it out. Yeah, we just kind of, you know, went up to folks who seemed to be, you know, together. And we said, hey, this is a, you know, we asked them if they knew what StoryCorps was. Some did, some didn't. And we basically just said, hey, this is kind of the premise. Why don't you guys talk about books? We're here at the the book fest. So why don't you guys talk to each other about your favorite books or your favorite authors? And a few of the people that we talked to were actually authors themselves, uh, Diana McDonough being one of them. And she and her friend talked to each other about the books that they had written. So it was kind of a books you liked, you know, being authors, writing. So we just kind of, you know, kind of let them kind of run with it however they saw it. And one of my favorite moments, and if you look at the So What's Your Story podcast website, you'll see a bunch of the pictures, but one of my favorite moments, and in case you recognize the name, was Jackie Fowler's interview. Oh. Um, and so Jackie Fowler is related to Stephanie, right? Yeah, she's my mom. She has my kidney. You know, there's that. <laughs> and but yeah, my mom and uh, her her beau Meryl Lockfall, who's one of the Worcester County commissioners, uh, they they came out to support the Wycombe County uh, Book Fest. And uh, while they were out there, I I kind of uh, I, I kind of wrangled them into doing a story course. So you hear my mom Jackie talk to Meryl about books, and it was just super cute. Well, and also one of his favorite books ended up being Tom Sawyer, which I mean, I guess as a boy, if you're a boy and you are literate. Tom Sawyer is probably in your top ten. It's one of it's one of my favorite books. I have a great Tom Sawyer story that I'm not going to tell you, but uh, if you catch me on the street and ask me, I will tell you my Tom Sawyer story. Uh, but meanwhile, you can go ahead and listen to Merrill because he's got a great Tom Sawyer story too. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun, and um, there were lots of great folks out at the event who had cool stuff to say. And as always, just remember that you can reach out to us at so what's your story com, and we do the limerick thing and the haiku thing. How does that go? Yeah, so if you go to so what's your story com, there's a contact us button. If you click on that, you give us your name, an email address, pick a word, shoot us your actual mailing address. Tony will write a limerick, I will write a haiku, and we will put that on a postcard, slap a stamp on it put it in the mail. Well, we're going to pay a guy to bring it to your house. All right, so here's the show. Hi, my name is Andrew Heller, and I'm here with my friend... Molly Lakovich. And Molly, this is one I want to ask you about books. You're an avid reader, I know that. When, when did you first start reading, and what really got you interested in reading? Ironically, uh, it took me a really long time to learn to read because uh, I have very serious ADHD, which no one, it hadn't been invented yet uh, when I was a kid. And did you invent it? I did. I, I'm the originator. Um, and I was having trouble learning to read because when you have ADHD, if you can't like get a hook in it, once you get a hook, you can like get it really quick, but it was taking me forever. And I found learn to read books to be the most boring thing in the world. I didn't care that Spot went to the park. <laughs> and so my dad was like, maybe she just 
just doesn't like reading. And my mom said, no, that's impossible because she's always like telling stories and running around the house. And then these books came out. Maybe you've heard of them. They're called Harry Potter. My older sister got the first one obsessed with it. And I was getting like help reading like in between books like Nancy Drew. And I was I would have to read them. My mom would like help me over the shoulder, like saying the words. I was so bored. And one night I was awake. I went into Katie's room. I was eight years old. So I was eight and I still couldn't like fully. I still hadn't fully read a book by myself, really. And I went into Katie's room and I took Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I and I just like sat down in like the middle. It was probably like only like 11, but I was a kid. So it was really late. And um, I was like, I'm going to read this thing. And I read Harry Potter. And then from then on, it was like just stories always. Um, and so I was always at the library. Now I'm always at the bookstore if I'm happy, sad, angry. And mom's like, Molly probably went to Barnes & Noble. I held a book drive recently. And then, you know, as of course, I turned into a writer too. So well, I have one more question to follow up with okay. that idea. You've done a lot of neat things with writing. Yeah. You're getting yourself published out there. You've got some some really great poetry things yeah. that are happening, a lot yeah. of good stuff. What advice do you give to young people who are having a hard time getting interested in reading, but but maybe maybe need to figure out how to do that? What advice would you give to a young person who's kind of trying to figure that out? Well, I always say to people, uh, a lot of my teachers, and I, I majored in English, a lot of my English teachers, I say, taught me the mechanics of reading and writing, and my mom taught me to fall in love with reading and writing. And so my brother uh, quotes someone, I don't know who it is, but they always uh, this person would always say, um, it's not that you don't like books, you just haven't been reading books you like. That was my thing. It took me a long time to get into reading because I wasn't reading what was right for me. And I think no matter what age you are, there's something you'd like to read, and once you figure it out, and your taste can change. When I was a little kid, I really liked fantasy, and then when I was in high school, I just like wanted to read like girly romances, and now I'm back to liking fantasy. My dad knows that you know he likes sports nonfiction. My mom likes science, like feminist dystopians, yeah. and it's my thing is you know just keep trying stuff. If you don't like the book, then find another one. I thought for a long time I wasn't gonna like reading, and I wasn't gonna end up a reader. And then I was in a family full of readers, so I felt sad. I was like, I'm so yeah, weird. I, yeah. I don't like reading. And now whenever I meet someone who's like, mm, I don't really read, I'm like, what do you do with your time and your money? I don't understand. <laughs> and so I just think at the end of the day, too, books are the oldest form of entertainment. And so, like, anything else wouldn't have existed if a book didn't exist first. Sure, okay. I think at the end of the day, just, like, go go OG, go original, read a book. So find the book you love. If you don't love that book, find the book you love. I love it. Thank you, Molly. Juan chooses the wizard, as they say. <laughs> Hi, my name's Diana McDonough. I'm a local author. Hi, I'm Tammy Carpenter. And Tammy, you've recently released a book. Why don't you tell us about what brought you to that point to want to write? I wanted to encourage other women who have been through the same um, life season as myself, and that is uh, growing up, graduating from college, and making it on my own. Life is a lot harder than what you expect as a little princess growing up. This book is just from my journals, and it's a coaching technique to uh, strengthen your emotional being when we all focus on our physical being and to live life to its fullest. What is the name of your book? Spiritual Synergy, A Lady's Manual to Becoming Spiritually Fit. And Diana, you recently published a book. Um, What was the name of it? The name of my book is Stuck in the Onesies. And if you've ever played the game of jacks, you know, if you get stuck in the onesies on the first turn, then you're forever playing catch-up. And you have a personal um, connection to the book. Can you tell us about that? 
I sure do. It's loosely based on my mom and some friends of their friends of hers raising kids in the 1960s back in Washington D.C. when things were so nuts. And it was kind of like growing up with Lucy and Ethel, where they would uh, try to make money and have a good time at the same time, but also watching them over the course of 30 years turn into independent women without really burning the bras like everybody was doing downtown. So it's based here on the Eastern Shore as well as in Washington D.C. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, my name's David Hanlon. And I'm Donna Hanlon. I understand you're a celebrity uh, reader today. Looking forward to reading to as many children who will come out. Not so sure celebrity, but obviously <laughs> I have a vested interest in books and children as the superintendent of schools. So. <laughs> and what are you reading today? What you, what's your I am reading a book about buses called Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. A very fun book that was picked out for me by Andrea Bursler, the oh. director of the library. So... You said you were the superintendent of schools, so you kind of uh, books are kind of important to you. We want uh, books in the hands of children as early as possible. You're listening to So What's Your Story, and we're coming to you today from the Wicomico County Public Library's Book Fest. Hi, my name is Jackie Fowler. My name is Merle Lockfall. Okay, Merrill, what book do you remember the most that you read when you were in school or a young adult? Probably Tom Sawyer. And why was that? Well, I liked adventure books, uh, Lone Ranger, the Hardy Boys, and things like that. I can understand that. I was on the other side with girls with the Nancy Drew mysteries and stuff like that. Well, I liked Tom Sawyer because he could get everybody else to do his work for him. You know, he was a real good organizer. (laughs) And I like Nancy Drew because I like a little bit of mystery. Even in my adult books right now, I kind of like the James Patterson and the different ones who have a little bit of, of mystery and whodunit. Well, my name is Mimi Zanino. And my name is Susan Yeruta Young. And uh, so you've read her book. I did read The Great Snapping Turtle Adventure. Everything in the book I experienced, personally, I experienced. Whether or not you are a great lover of the Eastern Shore or you've never visited the Eastern Shore, you will want to visit the Eastern Shore after reading this book. How do you feel about the emotions that you were experiencing while you were writing it? I was a poet in the schools for 22 years, and actually Mimi was a young poet that I uh, was the mentor for. When I got ready to move on in my life and concentrate on writing instead of teaching kids how to write, The Great Snapping Turtle Adventure was written between 1985 and 1990. And then it was rewritten and rewritten to go to publication. So how do I feel about it? Well, the the joy of the way the, the water looks, the excitement of actually having a crab come up and look at that chicken neck or that piece of whatever, that bait, and maybe start to tug on it a little bit and... Maybe you're bringing in the line, and I want you to feel that excitement as you're bringing in the line, and you're bringing the crab up, 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 and then he falls off. Or you got him. So I wanted the kids to experience that. And, of course, the book is about a snapping turtle named Cinderella, and she weighs 25 pounds, and she's given to these two boys, Max and Charles, and their stepfather, Fred, who happens to be a good stepfather, not an evil stepfather. I wanted them to know what it was like to have to deal with a 25-pound 
Lady Snapping Turtle and to have her put in a safe place, not a huge uh, pot of boiling water, because she was ready to lay her eggs. And so the boys are trying to find a safe place for Cinderella. My name is Amy Kraus. This is my mom. June Harris. I know that you read a lot of books. Yes, I do. Anything that's printed, I read it. <laughs> so I guess I want to know, but when you were um, growing up, what are some of the favorite books you remember reading when you were young oh, made you love oh books? Oh, gosh. That's uh, 100 years ago. I'm trying to think of the series of books about the, well, the girls of... Shoot, it's been so long, I can't remember. And I, I love to read, so I'm... Go to the library and with a bag, <laughs> and come home with a lot you of read reading. A lot of historical. I like historical no novels, yeah, and history. We uh, are enjoying the. Uh, what, what are we calling this? We love books. We love books. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew Heller, and this is my friend Aubrey Perry. And I'm going to ask you, Aubrey, what what is one of your favorite books? One of my favorite books is called The BFG. The B stands for big, F stands for friendly, and then um, the G stands for giant. Big, friendly, giant. Wow. What do you like about that book? I like about giants. Um, nine of them are mean, and then and then one of them is really nice and doesn't hate humans. Do you have um, any books that your parents like to read to you? I heard you talking about your dad read something special to you. My dad reads Harry Potter to me. My favorite one was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Why'd you like that one best? Because there's a lot of cool stuff in it, and I really like the Oh, good. I like Order of the Phoenix best. That's my favorite one. But I, I love the books, too. I am so glad you're a reader. How old are you, Aubrey? Seven. I have a seven-year-old friend who's reading like crazy. I'm so proud of you. Good job. You're listening to So What's Your Story, and we're coming to you today from the Wicomico County Public Library's Book Fest. Okay, folks, so now you've heard of all of the ones that we did at the uh, Book Lovin' Block Party, and we still have a little bit of time left, so I'm going to ask my friend Stephanie what some of her favorite books were when she was growing up. Well, let's see. I was a pretty voracious reader when I was little, and I remember I learned to read, much to my mother's chagrin, with the Dr. Seuss books. Um, Bartholomew and the Ooblek and the Sneeches and, of course, Cat in the Hat and Green Eggs and Ham and all that. So that's what I learned. That's Those are the books I was learning to read with. Right. Um, and then after that, I progressed to the Nancy Drew books. Mm -hmm. And even though I think Nancy Drew was probably a little classic by the time I came along, I was a kid in the, in the, in the late 80s. But, uh, you know, the Nancy Drew books to me were just... I'd devour them. Every time we go to a yard sale or an antique store, you know, my mom would lose me because I'd off be, I'd be off in like the old books, you right. know, digging through. And I never wanted to read the Hardy Boys. Mm -hmm. I always discarded them immediately. But I always went after the Nancy Drew books. Uh, I just, I loved that sense of mystery. And here was, you know, a, a, a girl, a woman, you know, investigating and finding clues and doing all these things. And I mean, I just would, I couldn't get my nose out of those, but those were the ones I, I loved. And of course, when I got a little older, um, my attention, of course, all, all my girlfriends at the time, we were all big sweet Valley high readers. And, uh, I'll never forget. They were kind of thin. I mean, they weren't really, they weren't really thick, but I remember my mom one time we went to the B Dalton when it was the Salisbury mall and she, 
bought me like three of them and i finished them by like breakfast the next day and she was like that's it you're getting a library card yeah. There's, <laughs> like you know you're gonna break me you know so at that point you know i got my library card and then i had to you know wait for what was in stock but one of the things that i i probably recall pretty vividly is the illustrated classics mm-hmm. um I, I remember being pretty young and tearing through little women journey to the center of the earth Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea uh the call of the wild Moby Dick was in there. So I remember kind of ripping through all those. So I guess that was kind of my wheelhouse was either, you know, mysteries and classics, I guess. Well, they also, those, those illustrated classics, they, they had great pictures and what makes them classics is that they do have compelling plots. Like if you want to enjoy reading, you can always revisit them later and get the, and get the, the meat and the juice out of them. But if you just want like a bare bones, what happened in Moby Dick? Yeah, no, those are great for it, and you can. Um, my my daughters, my daughters all read them. I feel like they were around the house when I was a kid, but my daughters all read them, and you really like. They read books that they wouldn't read the real ones of, and now they're at least familiar with the stories. You know. Yeah, and I think for me also, you know, when you're talking about a kid, you know, with the. The way that I remember them, and I, I hope it's I'm not making this up, but you know there was the text on one page and an illustration with a caption on the next. So it you you kept your it wasn't so intimidating when you're just learning how to read. Now when you're just learning how to be a reader, I think right right uh, it's not intimidating like gobs and gobs of gray matter and no just all text and no pictures. But it's also clearly not a picture book and the story and. The type was really large, so the book was very thick. Even though, I mean, in, if if you, if you were to publish it in a in a regular book, it might be you know thirty pages. Or, but these looked like the, these were big, impressive looking books. So you felt like you were reading literature, and you were reading essentially stories about. They were Cliff's Notes, yeah, uh, sure, <laughs> versions of, of 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 lots of great works, and you became familiar with them. And I think. Um, one of the things that makes a classic a classic is that it has a structure and you consume enough of those and the idea of story structure is just going to kind of make itself. Yeah, you know? I think so. I think there's, you know, the the notion that these are classics created and crafted by authors who understood plots and characters and how to deliver these things and also how to, how to del- deliver a message too. Right. And I think what the illustrated classics did for me was they made that bite size enough, you know, it wasn't like dumbed down, but it was made bite size enough for, you know, eight year old Stephanie to, you know, get through it and look pretty impressive when I'm rolling around with, you know, 20,000 leagues tucked under my arm, you know? Um, so those were probably the ones that I, I I most remember, um, you know, so I guess, uh, what about you? What do you remember reading as a, as a little one? Well, I, 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 I read the Hardy boys as well. I think it was kind of the law, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just I remember um, from the Hardy Boys. I would get I would get Hardy Boys for Christmas. I'd always get like two or three Hardy Boys books. And I I stopped. It was important for me to read them all in order, not in an OCD kind of way. But when I would borrow them from the library or whatever, I would borrow ones that I hadn't read yet, but only if they were available. So if I was up to book number 52 and I wanted to read book number 53 and 54 was in the library, I wouldn't take 54. I wanted to read 53, so when I got to all of them, I would be able to say. And I, I burned through all of the hardcover ones, and then I was in the softcover ones. And I read them. 
I, I got to the point when I was a little bit older that I was reading them like magazines. Like by the time I was 10 or 11, I was just, you know, just reading them in a, like a sitting or something. Yeah. And that was how, I, that's why my mom got so mad. You know, cause <laughs> we'd be in the car and I'd start reading it. She's like, can you just wait till you get home? You know? But no, I, I remember that. But I, I did not have any sort of patience like that. If I saw a new Nancy Drew novel, that was it. I was on fire. It didn't matter to me, um, you know, whether whether it was out of order or not. Something else that I remember now that as we're talking about it is we had this great book, and I have it at my home now. My mother just gave it to me because she's downsizing and cleaning. Um, we had this book of uh, fairy tales, but like the vicious ones, like the the stepsisters get their toes cut off and the little mermaid has to cry until the river is full of until all the you know the story of the little mermaid how horribly it ends yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that was on an episode of myths and legends the podcast that podcast i'm pretty sure yeah (laughs) yeah so so yeah so all of the all of the violent uh all of the violent fairy tales i absolutely love them and also the aesop's fables um and those gave me a really good and this is where this is where you can see like I'm I don't have a classical education and I don't pretend to but you can get the yes if you if you make all the kids memorize Ace of Fables then they will have a better moral compass I mean I don't have a good moral compass at all but <laughs> you know you, these 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 uh, maxims they're not maxims morals right? right so so stories with morals just like oh if you do this then this happens and it just the the lessons always appeal to me in the in the aesop's fables anyway and and also i guess in the in the regular fables in the hands christian anderson and uh um and then of course arthur conan doyle got really huge into uh into sherlock holmes for a while and by then what's next is edgar Allan poe and uh, I, I always tried to read way above my level. We were talking before we started. My, the first uh, novel I read, the first like grown-up novel I read was uh, Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton. And I didn't understand a word of it. I just thought it was cool that I could read whatever 400 pages in a row. But I don't – I mean, I believe that it was about like a, <laughs> like a, like a disease outbreak. But <laughs> – but that's but that's all but that's all I recall of the Andromeda strain, um, and uh, and then you know by the time I guess I remember the first book that captivated me, and this is probably very common, but the first book that captivated me was The Stand um, by Stephen King, okay. and I remember I read that when I was in the eighth grade, and that and this would happen again to me a lot, and still happens occasionally. But that was the first time that I was reading and I saw the sun came up and I knew I was in trouble because I had stayed up all night and I didn't even realize it. So I I read that in about like a sitting and a half and it was just – that was one of those things where um, books I think can be like drugs that way where you just want to catch that next – even if it's plot driven, but that that next literary high, you want to like, oh, I want to, I want to lose myself in the story, and all of a sudden realize that six hours have passed and I haven't moved. Right. You know, and oh, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, I feel like it's very, it's that there is a very, you know, high chasing aspect to that. Yeah, I think I remember that happening to me when sort of two points. You when you talk about vicious and morals and starting to kind of grow into adult books, 
I started the VC Andrews series. Oh, the flowers, flowers in the, in the Oh, God. Holy smokes. <laughs> I remember, I was like, that was my first, like when I was, you know, graduating from Sweet Valley High into, you know, Flowers in the Attic. And wow. Yeah, holy that's smokes. A, <laughs> that's at, a hard like, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very hard right at Albuquerque, man. I was just, I was sort of stunned by that. And I'll, and I'll, for, and I'll forget that one. That was, and then of course, you know, for girls, it was Sweet Valley High and then you did Flowers in the Attic. And then of course there was Go Ask Alice, another big novel at the time cautionary tale type right. thing after i read it and was finding out that it was a total hoax i remember then we were in high school and of course you get all your high school sort of assigned readings and some of them were fine but my senior year of high school i was assigned to or we had to pick a book and the one that uh, was on the list was i know why the cage bird sings by maya angelo and i remember gra- i remember picking up that book uh, and just not being able to put it down and just completely falling in love with the way that she describes her experience, the way that she used language, the way that she told her story. And I just remember being so moved by that as a, as a, as a young woman. Um, and so kind of looking back on my Nancy Drew and the Sweet Valley High and then VC Andrews and Go Ask Alice. And then, but then kind of coming into, you know, that book was, you know, I remember having one of those moments where I was just like, I could, it felt like I could not put that book down. Right. It was like, putting it down wasn't on the list of, you weren't thinking, should I put this book down? It wasn't. No, it was like, you know, my mom going, you had calm down and eat dinner or else, you know, you know, right, so it's yeah. like, Oh, all right. Just be, be right there. You know, those sort of moments. But, um, that, that was one of the books where also as, you know, and I think, you know, as readers, voracious readers, you also start to become a little bit of a, of a writer at the same time. And you kind of develop those two things at the same time, being, being a reader and being a writer. And then, you know, and then in reading Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, I just remember just having this moment where I was like, that's what I want to do. Of course, I'm I'm not going to do what she did, but having that moment of inspiration of both being a reader of an incredible book and also being like, yeah, this is how you write. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, that's, I think, how the progression goes. Even if you are a lifelong reader, First, you learn how the letters go together, and then you learn how the story goes together, and then you learn what makes a good story, and then you learn what makes a great story. And depending upon how how that affects you, will will totally dictate you know the way you read. My my wife is still a, a very voracious reader. She, I I sadly don't read as much. I read for for now. I, when it's your job and I'm yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I read plenty, but I, I don't read for pleasure as much as I used to. I, I read for work um, and occasionally for pleasure or for, for me also. And I think probably for you too, although I don't want to talk for you specifically, like when you get into nonfiction, like reading a magazine article, it's kind of work and it's kind of pleasure at the same time. Like that, there's no i think there's no strong separation when especially when you're when you're working in in writing when you're reading you're kind of at work so it's like reading something that there's no such thing as reading just for pleasure and there's also no such thing as reading just for work is that right anywhere? no i totally get it and i also think for me to kind of take a little different track on that when i was younger i read a lot of fiction uh 
And then as I started to kind of figure out who I was as a writer and how the things that I wanted to write about, I found that I started reading more creative nonfiction. And so when I read for pleasure now, when I'm able to, I tend to veer more towards the, you know, nonfiction, creative nonfiction genre. Um, And like I said, I don't get to read as much for pleasure as I would like to. My wife also is a voracious reader. I mean, she's always got... And it's like, hey, you're just picking that up and you're just going to read it. That's just what you're going to do now? (laughs) Yeah, I'll look over. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? She's like holding up a book like, "Um, what do you think I'm doing? You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, because I don't know. I think as I've gotten older, I've been so focused on, on writing that reading for pleasure, I'm like, oh yeah, I still got to do that other thing, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like Stephen King said, if you don't, if you're not reading, you have no business writing. So yeah, you still have, I still have to push that in there. But. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, so now, Stephanie, this is the part of the show where you thank the listeners. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope that you like what we're doing. And if you do, please feel free to go to iTunes and give us a good review. We'll take a happy five-star review if you can. Thanks. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and if you like it, feel free to give us a great review. Tell your story.